Hi, this is Patricia. And this is Christina. And this is What They're Worth. A podcast exposing the truths of everyday people who are willing to enter the beautiful mess of foster care and adoption. We're glad you're here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What They're Worth. We hope you have all been doing swimmingly, and we're happy that you're joining us again today. Today's episode is number three. And it is titled, Never Say Never. Never say never. Oh my. Sorry, had to add my song. (laughs) So what we're going to talk about today is all the things that we, in our short time parenting, have thought that we would never do, but in fact (laughs) have done or do on a consistent basis. And just so you know what we're going to cover today, we're pretty much going to talk about expectations of parenting, discipline strategies, and general doubt and insecurity about being moms, being good enough at being moms, or the foster and adoptive process in general. Yeah, so this episode I think gears towards all moms, um, really, but we will be also mentioning specifically how these different expectations that we held for ourselves specifically um, geared towards foster um, children and adopted children and how it's a little bit different. Um, But yeah, so if you're a mom, you've ever experienced mom guilt, this episode is for you. I hope that you are sitting there drinking your coffee and just saying, yes, that is me because that's what we need to do. Um, So let's get started. All right. So the first never say never Um, is on expectations and my first expectation that I noticed right away as silly as it sounds as it sounds is with food and when my daughter first came and we were in the survival mode which many of you know whether you're a biological parent or not or foster parent or adoptive parent and you're in that survival mode and you're just literally trying to keep your head above water um, and especially if you're working it it was it was difficult so I remember reflecting on our first I don't know, three weeks making a Facebook post and I literally discussed the greatness of chicken nuggets. <laughs> and, and so I guess my never say never is I never thought I would feed my children so many chicken nuggets slash freezer meals slash takeout, whatever it is. And I guess the thing that comes with that is why I had that preconceived notion was just quote unquote good moms mm-hmm. have these Darn meals. Yes. Have these meals all ready for their kids every day and, you know, just it's they're healthy because you and for all reasons I wanna be that healthy mom. Like I really do want it. I know it's important. Sure. But realistically, for mm-hmm. me it doesn't happen. Now we have friends who it does happen for them and that's great and we're not discrediting that. But for me, chicken nuggets are important is an important staple. You put a little carrots and cucumber on the yeah. side, and that's what I do to make myself feel yeah. better. Yeah, you have the frozen chicken nuggets and the frozen <laughs> vegetable medley, maybe with cheese, <laughs> and you throw them in the Mine microwave. Mine are fresh. I'm a better mom. And, and you, I don't <laughs> use frozen veggies or canned. Mine are fresh vegetables. And you throw that in the microwave, and well, there you go, voila. But for me, how I've rationalize that or what I just kind of think about is that saves all of us some sanity when we walk in the door it saves me sometimes from being an angry rushed mom and more of a let's put this together let's do what we got to do and spend more time with my kids right um but I also make a goal of trying to 
and you know, really what is parenting if it's not a journey of <sighs> assessing your priorities yes. and not even just your priorities, but your child's mm-hmm. priorities. And that's not even the same for every kid. Right. You know, so you can't just, I mean, a lot of this stuff is these blanket statements that yeah. we make that are disconnected from our daily lives, the needs of our children, the season that we're in as a family. I mean, my youngest son played tackle football for the first time. I was Peanut barely, butter jelly. I did not see the house. I mean, I'm telling you, like, nobody was eating. Like, our groceries went bad because nobody was home. Yep. Yeah, I literally was packing peanut butter and jelly. Same. Same. And bringing it to yep. practice. And when he got home, it was time for bed, so we weren't eating then. You know, and you just, you can't, I mean, it's not possible to cook a full meal if you're not home during the day and Mm -hmm. you know but Patricia it's also crazy because I remember my mom did work and she did have those meals done and so it just makes me think like what has changed so much in that amount of time like that my I don't I don't know why I don't have that my mom was like literally every day there was some wonderful home-cooked meal and I just do not have that like it's not that I don't have the ability. I don't have the want to do that. Like I, like you said, I'm kind of prioritizing. I would rather do something else mm-hmm. than spend the time making a meal. Yeah. So yeah. that's my first never say never. And so definitely I do not judge when I see moms with happy meals and their toddlers are tagging behind. It's like, oh, get it, girl. Do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do to get through this day. I feel you. <laughs> My biggest never say never when it comes to expectations is a little bit different. Um, I never thought I would allow a child to not come to church Mm. for a while. Um, And that is something that we did. Actually, we're still there um, for my oldest. And without needing to go into the details, kind of the moral of the story is that Children that are in foster care and children that are or are adopted are coming to you. You know, people call it the invisible suitcase. And Mm -hmm. they're coming with baggage that and trauma that is commonplace almost. Like, sure, some of them, especially like some kids are coming from traumas that are like plane crashes Mm -hmm. or um war you know or stuff like that that's very like i understand that's dramatic but most of them it's like relational trauma it's people that loved me supposedly didn't take care of me or um people that said they were christians and took care of me abused me Mm -hmm. so they have these triggers that are everyday items sounds places I mean, like, my youngest son, the first time we took him to a grocery store, it was the same grocery store that these abusive foster parents would shop at. And Mm -hmm. he about had to come apart in the middle of the grocery store, told me he was going to flip stuff in the aisles, you know. And Mm so there are things behind the surface that when people look at your family, you know, and they see, hmm, they're coming to church with only one child. They don't know. People don't know that. There's other stuff going on and it's not, you know, for us an indefinite solution and we are now working to hopefully integrate him back into that. But I, I feel confident that there was a season where the action of coming to a building was not the priority for him and for his mental health. There were other 
elements of safety and there were just other things that had to be addressed first and trying to kind of force him into like my preconceived box of like what it means for us to look good as a family or to love Jesus it you know what I'm saying it it wasn't fitting in that but I had to broaden myself for the sake of my kid and I did get some resistance from some people about that um and at the end of the day I just had to say I know my child and what he needs and it does break my heart that he can't be here right now but I'm fighting so many battles that you're not aware of. Yes. (laughs) There are so many battles that are being fought unseen really to any other eyes except mine and my husband's or the people that know us intimately. Yeah, that's such an important topic I think to bring up is our perception of how others are viewing us and our parenting styles, which is a real, which is real. Like it's valid because, I mean, we do it, you know, And, and it's hard. It's something we have to be intentional about, like, okay, they're doing that, there must be a reason why, you know. Um, But, yeah, especially with children who have experienced trauma before, it's like my daughter, I've talked to you about this before, but she enjoys things differently than other kids. Mm -hmm. So she, we took her to Disney on Ice one time, and um, like a year ago or so, and she the whole time just sat there, did not smile, but was intensely focused on what was happening. And the whole time I was just like, oh, I kept asking her, you know, are you, are you having a good time? Do you like it? And she's nodding, yes, but it's not very convincing. And then, but afterwards, or the next day, she just told me how much she loved it. She told her friends. And we've been in a couple situations since then where people have to ask me, like, is she okay? Does she like this? Does she want to do this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, she just enjoys things differently in the moment. <laughs> so it's, that's that's definitely a, a real, a, a reality and I mean, we have to be careful that we, we have to be cognizant of that, uh, of that other people's perceptions. Like you mm-hmm. said, they don't know the whole battle that's being fought. Mm-hmm. And we know our kids and we know what they need and, and how they're acting. But yeah, that's, that's a hard one with church. Yeah, it's been hard. And I, I've questioned it many times, but I've come back around to, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Right thing and it you know it would be different if I had my son when he was even you know your daughter's age when he was but I didn't I don't you know he came to me at 13 and that it's a different (laughs) ball game way different ball game 13 just in general 13 in general another area um, that we'd like to discuss today is discipline and discipline strategies that we thought we would never use um, or things or, you know, whatever that we thought we'd never use um, concerning discipline. And I think the biggest one that we both can speak to, well, we can speak to all of these, um, but let's just start with bribes because I feel like that's a popular opinion. And when I first started fostering my daughter and we had like the issues that you're having now um, only with one, one kid for a year. I remember all I did was sit on my phone and research different behavior management strategies. And in a way, that was helpful, but in another way, it was very discouraging because there are so many differing opinions. And like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, they don't know my child. They weren't living with her. They weren't seeing. They didn't know what she had been through. So I could read as much as I wanted to, Mm -hmm. um, but it was hard. So... When it comes to bribes, 
I think <laughs> I think we like to say they're a necessary evil. Yes, times. they're a necessary <laughs> evil. And we I guess why we don't want to use them, why we would say we would never use them is because we think there's a better way. Mm. And and there probably is for for certain kids and situations. Sometimes sometimes I mean, but I can I can think of times where I I literally did not know what else to do yeah. to get um my sons to do some things that they were just very afraid of. There was, I, I mean, we would rack our brains for what else can we yeah. do to motivate them? Yeah. And it wouldn't be like easy bribes, but I, I mean, it was a bribe at the end of the day. Like if you go to this event, if you <laughs> conquer this spear, right. like we'll get you this toy that you wanted, Yeah. you know? And, and Am I do l- you use that every time? No. no, but there's, I mean, I think there are certainly circumstances where you got to dangle yeah. something in front of their eyes that they want. Yep. Because there's not much else. They're not, I mean, honestly, we want our kids to do things for the right reasons. Like, do it because you need to grow. I'm sorry, <laughs> but my 14-year-old son does not care about maturity and growth. Right. He just doesn't his have brain's the capacity. Not there yet to even... He wants Dragon Ball Z yes. action figures. Like, yes. he's not, uh, they want PlayStation wants money. silly LOL dolls that are so expensive. And they're, like, oh, literally an inch God bless tall. you. But yeah, I, I I remember like that is one of the only things that works. Like, hey, you, this toy that you love so much is gonna be taken away if you don't stop biting me or you That's don't like a reverse stop bribe. spitting. Yeah, that is my issue is the reverse bribe. <laughs> so like, if you don't stop spitting on the floor, if you don't stop kicking me, that's if like you removal don't stop of the privilege though. Biting that's, me, yeah, kind that's of. That's all I use. And so taking away and, screen time. But then time, I remember reading it. so much about like so all these experts like. You should never do that because you're going to get... I remember specifically this one article that I was just hooked on because I couldn't get my mind off of it. Like, am I doing this wrong? But it, it was saying something like, if you do this, you're eventually going to run out of options and then your child is not going to listen to you. Um, so, I mean, which is... They have a point. They, a they do have a point. And so that's really what I struggled with. But at the same time, um, from that discipline strategy... We save sanity, and I have seen my daughter grow um, in, in her discipline and, you know, how she reacts to things. She knows she has to calm down. Mm-hmm. You know, through those, we teach them those strategies. You know, like, well, what can right. we do so that you don't get that right. angry to where you're biting me? Like, mm-hmm. okay, these are the different options that we have. We can scream into our pillow. We can do this, A, B, and C. So, I, I mean, there's that. Yeah. But... Well, you're also limited in a lot of the strategies that some people may use um, on children that they raised from very young or children that are their biological children because of those triggers. And even, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're a foster parent, you can't use, um, what is it called? Corporal punishment, Mm -hmm. um, or force, which we won't get into like a spanking debate, but I would say there's a way to spank that isn't abusive, right? You can spank without leaving a mark. Not, not saying I'm pro spanking. I'm just, just saying you can spank without it being abusive. But you can't do that right. with foster children. Mm-hmm. Um, with my boys, they don't respond well to like authoritative, forceful yeah. stuff because that's very it's very triggering to them. Yeah. And they kind of lean towards if you're in mental health, they kind of lean towards like conducty, oppositional, like disorder type stuff. And if I do that, I'm basically walking myself into a power struggle, yeah. and it's just not gonna go well. And so. Again, this is where 
a lot of people are really seeking help for how they should discipline and how they should deal with these problem behaviors. Yeah, there's so many books for their resources. Well, biological or not, yeah. there's that, right? But then when you're in the bi- when you're in the foster adoptive community, this is a huge discussion. How do we deal with trauma-based behaviors? And the biggest thing is that you can't respond the same way. Typical traditional parenting strategies proven do not work. Now, where we're running into problem is if you if a child is foster or adopted, they're three times more likely to pursue mental health services. However, people who are competent and treating children who have those histories are few and far between. So you're taking a child who literally um, child protective services, state organizations will call special needs if they're older, mm-hmm. if they have any behavioral stuff, which guess what? Pretty all much do. all of them do. Yeah. They literally are called special needs children. So you're taking special needs children to people who have very little training about these special needs of these children. And so a lot of people, and I'd be very interested to hear people's experience with this, a lot of people, the therapy that they're taking their kids to is not working. It's not effective. And why is this? It's because, I mean, I'm a therapist. I went to grad school recently, and there was no training about how should you counsel a child with this history that would be different? How do you work with a family who has adoption and foster care? And if you think of those kids are pursuing way more, that means if you're a therapist, you're going to get people mm-hmm. who are touched by a foster care and yeah. adoption. You will, statistically. And yet, there's no specified training for it. So it's really something that if you're doing this, you need to keep in mind. Do you, There's lots of great resources out there now about trauma-informed parenting. Yeah. Um, trauma-based interventions for parenting, therapeutic parenting, stuff like that. So definitely encourage you to seek some of that stuff out, but also give yourself grace because all the advice that traditional people may give you, a lot of it honestly just isn't helpful and it's frustrating because people just don't, they're like, just do this, just do that. Well, have you done this? And you're like, yeah, that's just not gonna cut. It's not gonna work here. That's not gonna work here. Yeah, and I think even the foster care training that we received did not do (laughs) a great job at all because now that I'm reflecting back on that and what you just said um what I was searching wasn't even trauma like related and I didn't even think at that moment like I didn't even know enough to like search trauma right response you behavior to trauma you know you can't just google how to stop a kid from stealing Right, you know, right. Or how to stop a kid from hoarding food. Yeah. Because it's not... Right. So yeah. I, you know, so, I mean, I tried, guys, like, <laughs> everything in the book. Literally, I feel like I tried everything in the book. Um, and eventually things turn around, but I don't even know if that was even linked to anything I've done. But, um, <laughs> but that being said, like, that definitely, I feel like, needs to be a stronger point in training because, I mean, that's what we're... That's the reality of what we're given. Like, that's the reality of the children who are coming into our homes is we need to not only love them, but we need to know how to start to help them heal um, through whatever it is they're walking through. And I just felt really ill-equipped. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) very, very ill-equipped. So That kind of goes back to, and I hear a lot of people in the adoption foster care community coming against this lie that, like, love is enough. Just love a child, and that's enough. 
hate to burst the it's bubble. Not it's not enough. It's great, and, but it's not. You know, I never thought I would say that. I never, yeah. I never really thought I that's would enough, think that. That's another. I never, never thought enough. I would think love is not enough. Yeah. But it's not because if you don't understand what's really going on, mm-hmm. love or uh, textbook parenting strategies, they're not going to get to the core. And and the issue with a lot of our kids is they can't receive love right. because of their trauma. Yeah. And because of their fears and their attachment issues. And so we have to get to the source of that. Love is a great, wonderful support for these things. But love, apart from being educated, well-informed, understanding root cause, is not enough. Yeah, I agree. Another discipline issue that's really, really big um, with parents all around um, is screen time. And... Mm-hmm. we are both very educated people and so um we know the effects of screen time (laughs) i remember seeing statistics it's like the average child watches and i'm like who are these parents what are they no our society is a mess and now i don't even want to tell you how much screen time my children have and and i'm gonna be honest with you i i still doubt myself but my husband has had to tell me, like, Patricia, what else are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, my children really struggle with being entertained, and we do limit their time. Right. So, I mean, there is time It's daily. not a free-for-all. It's not a free-for-all. I, I mean, we're very structured. We track it. They lose it if they misbehave. I mean, we're very structured with it, but it's definitely more than... And, and if I raised a child from birth, they would not have that much. Like, yeah. I can tell you that. They wouldn't because early on they would be developing but my children really struggle with like independent play Mm -hmm. they don't and they really don't play well with each other very often either so they want to play with us we can't play with them all the time and you know when we have like a day off of school or a weekend I mean it's physically impossible and so we do you know we are creating that empty space for boredom but I mean my oldest literally just goes to sleep like that's what he does and it's like, I'm giving you this time to try to be creative, and he just goes to sleep. So even in growing to have more imagination, they need my active help yeah. to do that. And I can't give my active help constantly. Yeah. But I never thought I, I would allow this much screen time. It's, it's a hard, I mean, that's that's a hard topic. And I think as long as, like you said, you're structured with it, and you're intentional, and you understand. And, I mean you know your kids. I mean, and like you said, are you rather going to, are you just going to have them sleep or are you going to, you know, or is he at least going to be awake and be somewhat interacting with the family at this point? And, and, and hopefully that improves and, and they learn to, to make friends or they learn to, Mm -hmm. they get better independent play. That was something that my daughter struggled with too at first um, was independent play. And so, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a issue for all parents and it's definitely a guilt um, issue for many moms and dads um, who have, I guess, any any age child now. I mean, they start. But then my kids tell me that a five year old is playing Fortnite with them, and I'm like, I feel better. That's true. <laughs> That's terrible. That's true. That's true. So yeah, no judgment about <laughs> about screen time. Um, some days, to be honest, it's just so that I can sit there and have a couple, have a half an hour of. Whatever I need to do, whether it's to be productive or whether it's to just veg, 
I mean, sometimes that's the reality. Mm -hmm. And so it's not always for an educational opportunity or a reward. Sometimes it's just like, here you go. Why don't you watch a video or a movie that I've Mm -hmm. approved? And while Mm -hmm. I save myself a little bit here today. So, I mean, that's... And again, sometimes that's more important. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Um, let's transition now to the kind of biggest never, what are we saying? Never say never. Never thought. Never thought. Or feel. Um, And we, we discussed this a lot the last couple of days and just, and narrowed it down to this category of doubt and insecurity, not only as parents and our constant, um, choices as parents Mm -hmm. and, and doubting those but also just our choice to foster and adopt because once you timeline kind of goes like this you decide you're ready to foster adopt (laughs) you share with people you're ready to foster and you're confident people praise you but there are also people yeah there are also people who question you. And then you're like, yeah, I you're know like, about that. the haters. I got it. I'm confident. Yes. I'm doing what God has called me to do. <laughs> Which is valid. These children are worth it. Yes. Share the Facebook <laughs> posts. So then next step is you get the children. and No, no. There's Then there's a ton of waiting. True. Okay. To which, like, I waiting. would sob and cry. Couldn't yes, wait yes. for them to come home. Okay, not the waiting. Home. Sorry, Patricia. Don't skip. Didn't that. mean to important. minimize your waiting. You wait. It's very important. A child or children come into your home, and then a truck hits you. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> a truck hits you, and you start to question what in the world you were ever I just do? thinking. And this is so real, and I feel like. Many people do not talk about this because you went in so strong. I mean, we went in confident. We went in, I got this. These, Like you said, these kids deserve it, which they do. Like, I know all the risks. I know all the downsides. I'm still doing this. And then so now you let yourself believe that people are going to think less of you if you admit the struggles, if you admit what's hard, and that you may even be questioning your choice to do this. And so, but then it becomes very isolating. You, you become very alone because you fear sharing this, like I said, will make people's view of not only you, but foster care and adoption change. And that's the total opposite of what you want in the first place right. if your heart is set out to do this. So we both really felt that way. I don't, neither of us has just been 100% yes. Like this, yeah. I'm, yes, there is no doubt about like what I was supposed to do. Um, I just, it, it's hard. I mean, it's mo- for most people, I think yeah, it's really hard. And one for me, I'm like probably one of the most maternal people yeah. that I know. I've always from very young wanted to be a mom, like would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? A mommy. <laughs> like I... And so it was it was a strange experience for me and you have this expectation that it's going to be so fulfilling right that it's going to fill this part of you that you nothing could fill you know nothing yeah. else can fill that part of you and for so many people who come to foster and adoption through infertility that's not my experience but that's probably even more so right there's this longing and your ex- their expectation is so big it's going to fill this part of me and then it's flipping hard 
And there are times where you don't want to be around them. And you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have all these family memories. Like, it's going to be so sweet. And to be honest with you, there were times where I wanted to drive around my neighborhood 10 times and prolong having to go in the door because I had so much anxiety about what was going to happen and felt like I do not know what I'm doing. I'd say And And it was never a lack of love. Nope. It was, and it really, sometimes I was like, can I handle this? Like, did, are you sure you picked the right one, God? Like, I think you may have misassigned right. this. It, but it was, I really never was like, I wish I didn't do, it was never that. It was more like doubt about myself and my ability. Like, right. am I even worthy to mother these children when I don't like them right now? Mm-hmm. Or I'm having a hard time yep. right now? And it was, it was never a question of my love and commitment to them. Like, that has really never changed. Right. Truthfully. And if, if that has for somebody, I'm not shaming you. I'm just being honest about my experience. It wasn't that. But it was like, I don't... Should I? Am I allowed to feel like this and mm-hmm. still be a good mom? Yeah. Like, can I feel like yep. this and this still be what I'm supposed to do? Or, like, am I wrong for this? Right. Because you when, you're, when you're picturing it... You know there's going to be some trouble, some obstacles to overcome. But, I mean, you think of, oh, I'm going to go shopping with her and I'm going to, we're going to bake cookies. And and then you're like, I hope she doesn't want to come shopping with me. Yeah. And then I'd be at work and be like, guess I'm, I really got to grade some more papers. I can't go home yet. You know, or um, the same the same kind of thing, or I would just be like... You kind of felt depressed. I did. I, I, I'm i pretty after. sure I was depressed um, after after she came for, for a couple months um, because I just did not feel equipped to do it. I didn't feel like I could. I didn't know what to do. I felt hopeless. Her behavior was horrible. I had no experience parenting whatsoever. I'm not as maternal as Patricia. Um, and so I, I felt lost and I just felt like I didn't want to be. My maternalness did not always help me. I did not want to be around her because she was nasty <laughs> in her behavior. Mm-hmm. I loved her, but, and I knew I loved her, but I, I started to question like, can I even do this? Like, I feel bad. I don't, I feel like I'm making it worse for her. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm helping. Yeah. And I remember my mom asking me one time, like, do you still want to do this? And I remember my husband asking me one time, like, are you, like, are you sure emotionally, like, you can do this? Is this going to be okay, Christina? Because we need to figure this out. Yeah. And I remember, like, feeling that, no, I'm never going to give her back unless I have to. But, like, at the same time, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I did. I, I isolated mm-hmm. myself and I didn't want to tell anybody that that's how I was feeling because I felt embarrassed, not of her behavior, but of my response to it. Right. So. And this is why it is so, 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 so important to talk about this and we're willing to put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Yeah. Like I had my home group to talk about this. Like, yes. To have other people who get this. And, you know, we got to just dispel the myth that, I mean, I bet pretty much everybody has felt this way, but it's not talked about enough. And and, and biological parents included. I'm sure. I mean, we know people, biological parents are friends who who have felt like, do I really love being a mom in this season of their life right now? And Mm -hmm. in that season, I did not. I did not enjoy being a mom. And I, Mm -hmm. and I was so afraid of, of birthing another child 
and bringing and being a mom twice. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, God, why would you do that to me? Like, why? I don't even like this part. That I don't like being a mom to one. Why would I be a mom to two? That I remember just bawling to my mom. It's like ah, I don't know if I can be a mom. And um, but yeah, it's it's so important to to have people that you can talk to and be honest with, and honestly sharing this with other people. Um, I remember the freedom I felt when one of our other friends in our home group started talking about that, about how she she didn't like being a mother in the season that she was in right then. And I remember just feeling like instant relief because I knew that's exactly what I was feeling and that it was normal. And it and not all moms love to be a mom all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really freeing for me. And it's been freeing for some other friends that I've shared it with. Like, hey, you may not like this season of your child being an infant or your child being a toddler or a teenager, but you, I, I bet. It will pass. Yeah, it will pass. And I bet there'll be a season that you'll love. And and, I, and it's also important to, to recognize that with your spouse, because that's something I think I've experienced too, mm-hmm. where my spouse like really did enjoy when she, not enjoy, but like. He didn't feel the same way that I felt when my daughter first came and, like, absolutely was, like, kind of depressed. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I don't like this time and you seem to be fine with it. Mm-hmm. But I just keep thinking maybe there'll be a season where I love, which I'm starting to now, and you know. And so I think it's important to recognize that, too. It goes back to what you said in the beginning, that comparison. And one of my favorite quotes, C.S. Lewis, comparison, comparison is the is the thief, thief of, of joy. joy. Yes. And it's true. Whether we're comparing ourselves to our spouses, to moms on Instagram, oh, so to our friends that are moms, yes. um, or we're comparing our kids to other kids, other kids yeah. who don't have the same experiences. That, even if you're comparing your adopted child to someone else's, like you just can't do that <laughs> because they yeah. did not have their experience. You can't, you know, it's like comparing an apple and a squash. Like you can't compare them. One's a fruit, one's a vegetable. Like you just yeah. can't. They're both good in different ways. So <laughs> comparison just gets us nowhere. What gets us somewhere, what gets us connected is being honest, is being vulnerable, is all of us recognizing our shared brokenness, our shared feeling, our shared that everybody asks, am I enough? Right. Everybody asks that. If you if you think you don't ask that, use lying, boo-boo. Everybody <laughs> asks that. Everybody has that question. And so... We want to be people who don't hide behind some facade and who give other people, not just moms, dads, aunts, uncles, whoever the heck you are, we give you the opportunity and the space to be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing either. I'm doing my best. Mm -hmm. And let's lock, you know, let's lock hands with each other because we all, that's what we all need. We all want that. Yes. So give yourself some grace. You're doing the best you can. And, you know, you are the mom that God God gave your children at this point in their life and even if you're not there yet God's working on you and you'll get there mm-hmm. <laughs> if you listen and so so just rest in that truth that um, you're who you need to be and where you're lacking God's working mm-hmm. um, so I guess our little just truth to go with or to think about um is this. For those of you who are in the trenches, so you're there, you're walking, you're with Patricia right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's deep in, deep in. Um, We hope that this episode encourages you that you are definitely not alone. And it gives you permission um, for yourself or to give yourself grace along this learning process, kind of like what we just discussed. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Um, Nobody's perfect. And 
Your children don't need perfect. They don't need perfect. They, <laughs> they don't need, presents, need perfect. Yes, they do need presents. And for those of you who are listening who maybe have not yet embarked on parenting or who have not yet embarked on parenting this particular population, what we hope you take from this episode is to reserve your judgment of parents um, who are doing their best and start paying attention to what your nevers are. Never say never. Because yeah. you don't know what you will do. Let's be women who encourage each other, build each other up, and not tear each other down because there's enough of that already going around. Preach it, sister. <laughs> we have a blast talking to y'all. We do. Let us know what you thought. Um, if you're feeling any of these feelings, you are struggling with some mom guilt, let us know if you feel like you need to reach out to somebody yeah find us on instagram at what they're worth we are there we are willing to listen to you we want to listen to you and encourage you um and share some more of our struggles with you as well so you know that you're not in it alone that's right and we will see you guys next time thanks for listening